0: Thanks for doing this, plant. Are we ready to go to here, Michelle? Welcome, everyone, to the Westprint Sports Review here on Planet FM. The show is proudly brought to you by Westprint. They're based at 9 Prairie Street in New Lynn. their number is 827-8531, Or you can email them on westprint.co.nz. Well, uh, well the storm's over in Auckland, so that's... Uh, it was a bit rainy out there this morning, but um, anyway, we usually start off with a bit of rugby. Unfortunately, poor old AJ's got a few more, got a, quite a few work commitments. But I found an admirable replacement for AJ. He is the voice of rugby in this country, a voice of of many our generations. He is the, the one and only, the great Grantness. But good afternoon, Grant. And welcome to the show. G'day, I Aimin. Mean, good to be on, mate. It's great to have you on. Anyway, before we rip into some of the some of the topics we're going to speak speak about, some of the results in and in, in the Australian part of Super Rugby: the Brumbies sixteen, the Reds twelve, the Force twenty, PG uh, Drumra eighteen, Waratahs twenty-four, Rebels nineteen, Super Rugby a picky. The Chiefs won the title thirty-five nil versus the Blues. Hurricanes eighteen. Marta 2 16, so that was some of the results there, but we start, we focus on the first game, and I know you were calling this one, the Chiefs 59, Moana Pacifica 12, and I have to say there were some really great standout performances from what I can see, Grant, with Oli Norris and Peter Gasula. What were some of your thoughts on the game?
1: Yeah, look, I really enjoyed the game. I mean, it's uh, it, it's been a funny old competition so far, games being postponed, etc, cetera, etc, cetera. but it was good to actually be able to go to Mount Smart and uh, and watch both of these teams play. And to be fair to Moana, Pasipika, they had only had one game and we were in week five of the competition. So um, anybody expecting them to be up and running uh, might have been dreaming a wee bit. It was tough on them, it really was. The Chiefs, of course, had played three games prior to that. And so uh, they had a big advantage. But of course, some of that advantage was taken away by the fact that they had... 17 or so players unavailable. But I think what we did see unfold was uh, Moana, a, a team that uh, a show promise, but are not going to get great results in their first year. I think they'll probably still need to do a little bit of recruiting in the off-season. But uh, they were competitive, um, maybe lacking just uh, some finishing qualities. But uh, we also saw a Chiefs team that's got tremendous depth. I mean, when you consider the players that they didn't have there, the blokes who stepped up really did step up and showed that, you know, they're going to be a real force this year. They've already beaten the Crusaders, as we know. And um, I think, uh, you know, a lot of Chiefs supporters are probably thinking this could be their year.
0: I'd have to agree with you there, Grant. And, you know, it's like they had, it, they had a lot of withdrawals in that squad. And, you know, a lot of those young players took their opportunity. And it does show that they've got great depth in that squad. And I'm going to have to bring up this player's name, Peter Gasula. Now, I, I'm not too sure whether he will be eligible for the All Blacks. But I, I have a feeling that when the All Blacks name their squad for the series in, against Ireland, he could come very close to getting into that squad.
1: Yeah, look, I agree, and I, I think he is available. Uh, I did hear that he had turned down the possibility of playing for Fiji in the past with the thought that he um, he may well be a contender for the All Blacks, and I think he has emerged in the first four or five weeks of this competition as a genuine contender, um, and I think probably the All Blacks selectors will be looking at the northern hemisphere and seeing the sort of rugby they're playing up there, the big uh, French forwards, the big Irish forwards, the big ball-carrying players that play for England, et cetera, et cetera, and thinking uh, maybe that's the way we have to go. We need a big man at number eight who can actually carry the ball into the opposition. Um, in the past, we've you know we've been very lucky in that regard with the likes of uh, Kieran Reid. Uh, Hoskins-Tutu, of course, remains a contender, but just on current form, uh, the bloke who's really standing out is Peter Gus cooler I'd have to agree with you there, grant. I think he's, since since round
0: one, he's just shown that talent, and he, you know he showed us a lot of talent last season with the Chiefs. Well, we might as well move on to the Six Nations, and of course yesterday France was crowned the Six Nations champions. They won the Grand Slam, a twenty-five to a thirteen win over England. Some of the other results: Ireland twenty-six, Scotland five, and Italy a real major upset and a great great result for Kieran Crowley twenty-two. Twenty-one over Wales. Now, just in regards to that French team, I'm, I'm not, you know, I'm not going to get, uh, to look at the world rankings. But on current form, I believe they're probably the most complete uh, international side in world rugby at the moment.
1: Yeah, look, I've seen a fair bit of the Six Nations. I, um, I quite enjoy watching it. I've got to be honest. And. So I've seen France play all their games, I've seen Ireland play all of their games, and I think they are both genuine contenders for the World Cup next year, if they can hold their form. France a little bit younger, I think, than Ireland, and so there's possibly still more improvement, which is a bit scary in the French, and the fact that they've got the home ground advantage as well will help their um, their, um, efforts no end. And um, it's really only endorsing what we saw at the end of last year when the All Blacks are up there and, and lost to both Ireland and in uh, and, um, and France. I think they've carried that form into the Six Nations. They were clearly the best two teams, and it came down to that very last game. France had to win just to get their nose in front of Ireland, uh, and there was a huge gap back to the, both Scotland and England. So, you know, I'm thinking that um, you know if they can hold their form they are going to be very tough to beat at the World Cup. And in the past, of course, France has made a few finals and hasn't been able to win. Ireland have never made a final, but I think at the moment they've got a team that um, is a real possibility. And, of course, we'll see Ireland down here uh, during the year. Whether they bring their top team, of course, is another thing. And I hope they do, but often they don't. Uh, quite often the clubs that they play for not that keen on them touring down the Southern Hemisphere in their uh, so-called break, so it'll be interesting just to see the makeup of the Irish team. But uh, I, I'm, I was very impressed with both of them. Well, the
0: rumours coming out. Well, one of the things about the Irish rugby setup is, is that they have a similar um, they have a similar uh, set up to New Zealand, where most, where I believe about ninety percent of the squad is centrally contracted to the Irish Rugby Union. But there is whispers coming out of Ireland, whether they send their best team or and show their cast before the Rugby World Cup, I really hope they do, because I believe if the, the Irish bring out their best team. They've got a potential, I don't believe they'll win the series, Grant, but I think they've got a potential to, of potentially winning a test in New Zealand.
1: Oh, I think so. I mean, they um, it took them a long, long time to beat the All Blacks for the first time. They did that in Chicago, and then they followed it up in Dublin. So they know they can beat the All Blacks um, and they're coming off a very solid base. They've got a good coaching team. I mean, we all know that Joe Schmidt set it up and now Andy Farrell is carrying it on. And uh, there's not a lot of turnover in the Irish team. They have the same players that were playing 12 months ago and and they're very solid. They're very solid. They've got a good game plan. And also, you know, if they get a bloke injured, they seem to have enough depth to be able to cover and I've been really impressed. So as I say, I hope they do bring their best team down because it could be a very, very good series. Oh, I
0: think it will, I think it'll be a fantastic series and of course there's a real very, very strong possibility that we're going to have full stadium for this scrum, which will as, as, as you're aware, when when the Irish Tour here as we saw in uh, the two thousand and eleven World Cup, you know they will bring a lot of colour. they'll basically bring a, bring a lot of fun, a lot of atmosphere to the Test match and probably will make a lot of um, of, uh, of hospitality owners very, very happy to have them there in
1: their city. Yeah, oh, absolutely. And, um, you know, I think I think hopefully by the time the Irish get here, we're able to have people watching rugby. It's just a joke at the moment that you look at the cricket and there's people at the cricket, you tune into the rugby and there's no one there. So this government actually needs to get off their bums and, and do something because rugby needs crowds.
0: I agree, and and the thing about it is, is that you know, we, we, if we if we look at some of the bigger issues like um, with Moana Pacifica, no pressure then. Now you imagine if you had uh, had been calling that game at Mount Smart, you know, you imagine the atmosphere the Moana Pacifica fans would have brought to this,
1: and their heart. Oh, absolutely, is, absolutely. And you have yeah, and it, you have it, a look um, at it, it. It was a damn shame, actually, because across in the same city, in the very same city. And probably as the crow flies, about five uh, k away, you had Eden Park and you had cricket and you had spectators there. So I don't know. I'm in despair about how this uh, how this is all working out. I'd have to agree with you there, Grant, because the other
0: thing too is, is is that you know the franchises rely on crowds, and you know from that franchise base, and some of them are, are privately owned, but it trickles down to some of the unions and and within those franchises. And, you know, you have a look, especially for, you know, I'm giving Auckland as an example. We need to get crowds back at Eden Park. We need to get crowds back at in and, and Auckland for the simple reason is, is that we haven't actually had a decent crowd at Eden Park for almost over a year. We're yeah. talking now.
1: Oh, yeah, I, I totally agree. And I'm I'm quite sure that Mount Smart would have had a good crowd there. But our first home game for... Uh, Moana Pasifika, and uh, you know it's it's right in the heartland of um, of the Polynesian population. And uh, as we see with the Warriors, they get very good crowds. And I'm I'm imagining that um, you know I'm I'm sort of thinking off the top of my head here they might have even got ten thousand there on Saturday if they'd been allowed to turn up. But as we all know, they weren't.
0: No, they weren't.
1: Just, just before we
0: go off here, Grant, I was going to say yesterday, 30 years ago, we all New Zealand sports fans would have remembered this—the day in Zaman, Mamoha took us apart against uh, <laughs> against us in the World Cup in the semi-finals—and you know, still have some memories of of that day. And you were part of the commentary team there.
1: Yeah, look, it was such a disappointing day because, you know, we were we were headed to the World Cup final. We, there was no doubt about that. And, uh, and uh, this guy, who at the time we didn't know too much about, hadn't really played a significant part in Pakistan's performances in the 92 World Cup, suddenly came in and just took us apart. Really disappointing. And uh, we missed out on going to the uh, World Cup final. And I think if we'd gone to the World Cup final, we would have won uh, against England. As we know, Pakistan actually won the final. England weren't great, and uh, I think we would have given ourselves a damn good shot at winning up the, the MCG.
0: Absolutely, Grant. Well, I have to
1: say that thank you for coming off the bench as a,
0: as I would say, more than an able replacement for AJ. And I will let AJ know on that. Um, <laughs> I'll give him a bit of grief, but, but the, big, the good thing is is that we're able to get hold of a man of your quality. You you are the voice of rugby in this country, and it's been an absolute pleasure having you on this afternoon. Thanks so much, Grant, and have a great rest of the week.
1: Good on you, Eamon. Cheers, mate.
0: Cheers. Okay, that was the voice of a, of a rugby generation, Grant, but I have to say it's fantastic. You know, he's he calls it the way he sees it, and I, I always enjoy having a chat telling this, but anyway, next up we have uh, Frank. This could have been our outfit. This is the real play. No more building
2: in shape. All those lies, it's been too long No more living in chains No, I don't give a damn what the people say There's no use holding back desire We've burnt our fingers, now let's jump into the flame. Never mind the weather go right Got a feeling higher than high This is the real thing Never mind the rain and the storm We'll keep each other warm We got something stronger than strong This is the real thing We'll walk out hand in hand So let them criticize Cause they don't understand We got nothing Just love. I've had enough of shy. So let's go out and show them what we have inside. There's no use holding back desire.
0: Welcome, everyone, back to the West Prince Sports Review. Wow, the legends keep on rolling on. We're talking a bit of NRL with former Kiwis coach, former Warriors, former Canterbury, former Witness coach, Frank Endicott, and a very, very good afternoon to you, Mr. Endicott. I hope you've had a fantastic weekend.
3: Oh, thanks, Aymon. Yeah, I've had a great weekend uh, watching Rugby
0: League and bailing hay yesterday.
3: So I've had a good weekend, haven't I?
0: <laughs> uh, <laughs> anyway, we might as well rip into a break. We'll start off with the Warriors 18, the Titans 20. I'm going to be straight to the point. There now I know I'm probably going to upset a few Warriors just from my perspective. But with the exception of Josh Curran, the Warriors, I, I looked a anept on attack. this was a winnable game, and they should have won it. Just some of your thoughts on that, this game, Frank. Well,
3: you can't win a game with 12 knock-ons and eight eight penalties against you. Um, I've always said that the big area the Warriors have got to improve on is discipline, and I haven't changed that. In fact, last week on the show, you asked me, um, or the pre-show, you asked me where I thought the Warriors would finish on the ladder, and I said 11th. Um, and I've got no reason to change my thoughts. So I was really disappointed because they on the first five games were all winnable games. They've lost two of them. They've got the Tigers this coming week, and they're bottom of the ladder, or second bottom. Now, if they can't beat them, it's disastrous. It would be a crisis. So I'm looking at them to turn it around this coming week um, at Campbelltown against the Tigers. Let's hope them right.
0: I hope you're right too, because believe me, you know. Like this, I looked at this game and I looked at the first half, how they came back so well, and I was so impressed. But it just seems as like some of our attacking options were just they were just terrible. Like Ash Taylor didn't really spark. Chanel had a good first half. Rhys Walsh looked very tentative on the ball, and he looked the only one generally that could create something within there. But you know, without Josh Curran. Josh Curran seems to be the guy that has the biggest ticker in that team, Frank. Oh, look, his first two games have been fantastic. In fact,
3: he's really surprised me as a player. Uh, He's come on and um, he's leading the way. I thought Fanua Blake had a good game and and, uh, made a couple of telling breaks, but where was the support? You know, they just kept breaking down. When they made half breaks uh, and they had scoring chances, they just broke down, and um, yeah, very, very disappointing. I thought the hooker, Egan, had a game um,
0: better than he's played over the past couple of years. Um, I thought he went well. I'd have to agree with you on that. Anyway, we go to the Thursday game that was played. This one, cracker. The what? Storm 15, uh, the Rabbitohs 14, Ryan Pappenhausen field goal in Golden Point, but... You know, the storm had Harry Grant back. in Ten months, they had a very good game. The looked quite good, but you know, something the Rabbitohs are really missing is Adam Reynolds there. Ah, they're going to suffer because of that uh, decision
3: not to retain him. Um, and I thought he he played well against for the Broncos last night against the Bulldogs. But we'll get to that. Um, yeah. the, the South fifteen, I mean, fourteen. Storm fifteen was the game of the round for me, Amon. Um, and it started. It started in the last what twelve minutes uh, when Souths come back and scored those three tries, and they just, and uh, they just, Latrell Mitchell just couldn't convert them. But then, two points down with about a minute to go, he gets that forty-five meter drop goal, which was unbelievable, uh, and gets them back into the game. And then that late uh, that late minute field goal by Pappenhausen to win the game. It, it, honestly, it was just
0: mind-boggling. It was a mind-boggling game and I have to say that, you know, that game could have gone anyway, but you know, you, you know, good teams win those games and this is what the Storm is. The Storm's a very, very good team. Anyway, the next game was a was another good game and it was the Panthers 20, the Dragons 16, the Panthers went out to a big league and I've got to say, Billy Armo kick out hundredth game and what a fantastic try he was to score in that game. This combination in that back row with Liam Martin and Isaiah, Isaac Isaac that just fantastic to watch those guys. Yeah, they're looking like they're looking
3: like the team to beat at the moment. They've had two very good games. The first the first round was the perfect performance. They backed it up again by beating um, a Dragons team that I thought was very committed. Um and to, for the Panthers to come out with the uh, two kick-out tries to win was uh, a very good effort. Good teams know how to win. It was good to see his whole family there too for his 100th game. The, the club apparently
0: flew the family out from Fiji, so a great occasion for them. I think, yeah, that's a fantastic occasion. Well, in the next game, which was their game of the round, it was the Roosters versus the Sea Eagles, um, t- Teddy versus Turbo, and I have to say, well, Teddy... Teddy Tedesco definitely came out on top with a brilliant performance. But really, um, you know, Sam Walker looked good. Victor Radley, he's, he's one hell of a player. The Roosters 26, the Seagulls 12.
3: Well, the Roosters in round one were terrible and they come back to their old, uh, their old selves in this game against Manly because I, I picked that as a 50-50 game uh, leading into it. Um, but I was very disappointed with Manly uh, with two losses out of two. And they're actually sitting... 16th on the ladder, last place. Um, but I can just about guarantee you one thing, that they'll win next week. I think they play the Bulldogs at home,
0: so uh, I'm picking them to be the better of the round next week. I, say, I would say that right now. I think, I, I think you wouldn't. I think they're 16th. They're not going to be 16th for long, Frank. No, no eighteen, way. The L16. The, the L now, this one was a real cracker of a game. A Nico Hines conversion right at the end, but you know, it was, this game could have gone either way. This I really enjoyed this game, Frank. So did I, and you're right, it could have gone either way. It was good to see the
3: Australian Prime Minister in the crowd cheering for the Sharks. Um, the Eels had their chances to win it, but you're right, Nico Hines, he's going to end up a, uh, a folk hero at, at the Sharks. Um, he's a very good player. I wish he had a state at Melbourne, though. Um, but he was the difference in the end. I thought he was. Uh, he had a very good game. And they deserve to win the Sharks. I, I picked them in the top eight, I think, in eighth place. So uh, they're going to be thereabouts.
0: And, of course, this one this one was a close. might have been considered a bit of an upset, but I wouldn't consider that. The Cowboys 26, the Raiders 4, Jason Tamala, uh, has. There's been a lot of controversy between them. There's probably been a bit of hate between him and uh, Todd Payton, but... You know this guy's a class player, and and uh, Tom Dunne. But this guy Griffin Neem, the the boy from the west coast, he had a fantastic game. Too. I'll
3: tell you what, he, he he's he's turning into a good player, um, young Griffin Neem. In fact, I was lucky enough to coach his dad, Chris. He came over to the uh, mountains from the west coast and played for Canterbury back in the nineties, and a very good player he was. So he's very similar to the old man, um, but I. I thought the Raiders might win that, um, and they were favourites, and they got beat by 20 points. So good luck to the Cowboys.
0: They will be hard to beat at home. They certainly will. Of course, the Knights look very dominant over a pretty hapless week's Tigers. 26-4, to four. Some, some good performances there. I have to say is making a difference. And then the final game, and we'll touch on this, Bronco 16, the Bulldogs 10, but I have to say Adam Reynolds is already... Earning, earning, earning his money very well, he's proving he's proving something which the Broncos have missed in the last couple of seasons. He's he's proving that loss that 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 heart that 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 leader they needed for the Broncos' Frank. Oh, I couldn't agree more.
3: That's exactly what the Broncos needed, and um, what have they had? Two wins out of two now. G in third place. Well, you'd never have guessed that. Um down the bottom last year, so uh, hopefully they'll kick on and have a good year. Two great tries by the, the English youngster, Herbie Farnworth. I met Herbie um, with his family when he was 14 years old in England and, uh, and watched him play as a junior, and, um, and I come back to New Zealand and I said that th- in an interview that this bloke will be the best English import that's, uh, that's come out in a lot, a lot of years. He's a very talented player. And still, only about twenty years old.
0: Yeah, I'll tell you what—he's he, a fantastic player. Fan. And, and that—and you have a look at it, the Broncos, you know. And fairness to them, they've actually brought well off season. They've actually been smart on what they've brought. And you know, Kevin Walters—you know—it's it, it, a good sign for him because you know, you know, for Broncos fans, it hasn't—it's been hard. It's been really, really hard on Broncos fans. I don't—I can't remember when the last time they were in the top eight.
3: Well, oh, that's true. It's been years. But um, I, I think a are very strong out wide uh, on the edges. Um, the outside mm. backs on both edges are very good. Good wingers. Um, I, I just think they've got to use them more. I think they got, yesterday, they got sucked into playing that Bulldogs up the middle game. And, t- and some teams that tend to drop the stand, their standard uh, down to that Bulldogs um, struggle in the middle of the park. They, if they stick to their own game plan and um, you know take two or three up the middle and then stretch it wide, I think they're going to score a lot of tries, especially
0: with um, the the two centres, Stags also. Yeah, absolutely. Also, just with the Bulldogs and and I mentioned his name last week, Jeremy Marshall, Benji's uh, brother, but is it, I think he's really important, for, especially when it comes towards the uh, as we head towards Rugby League World Cup, because. He's basically the backup hooker for the Chiefs. Oh, he's very good. He's
3: a very good hooker, and he's just getting better by the year. Uh, and he scored that try from dummy half that actually uh, turned the game into the Bulldogs' favour. So uh, he's a player that's got to be talked about by opposition uh, about his runs from dummy half because um, he's, he's very quick, good acceleration from dummy half.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Well, we'll pick our, we might as well pick the game and you can pick this game at uh, the Seagulls oh, versus that's easy, mate. the Bulldogs. That's easy. Well that's I'm gonna easy, go mate. To I'll I'll, t- I'll take the i t- I'll take, the, you you take know, me. Manly side, yeah, yeah, yeah. How's that? Yeah, okay. <laughs> okay, well that's fine. I think, you know, I am I'm, I'm, I'm there's a bit of debt recovery from two seasons that is going on there, Frank. But anyway uh, <laughs> <laughs> hey, we'll drink it together, don't worry. Oh, yeah, well, I'm looking forward to you coming up to Auckland. Just, just have to make sure I speak to the uh, bank manager. But anyway... But first all, on, Frank, can I just can say you? one thing? Can I just say one thing?
3: Yep. Yeah. Last week, I, I was on about get rid of the bunker. Well, yep. this week, I'm going to double it up. Get rid of the bunker. <laughs> so coming up with reasons not to score tries, and, and fans want to see tries. And when you've got to get the slide rule and the magnifying glass out, it's just not good enough. Get rid of the bunker.
0: Absolutely agree on that. know you have a great rest of the week, Frank, and uh, we'll catch up again uh, next Monday. I'll need to have a chat to you um, after the show because we'll be doing something different for next week. Anyway, so we'll head to a bit of music and then we'll have a quick chat to Noel Barclay. everyone back to the Whispering Sports Review here on Planet FM and of course now we're going to talk a bit of football, a bit, about EPL, a bit of EPL, a quick chat about the Phoenix, quick chat about the all Whites, and then joining us as he does every Monday, uh, former All-White Noel Barclay, good afternoon to you Mr Barclay.
4: Good afternoon Anwin and uh, it looks like the sun's come out and the rain has stopped which is really nice, <laughs> we make it again oh. after all. I tell you what, it
0: absolutely hosts down this morning. I, I went to go outside to, to pick something up from the letterbox, came back absolutely stoked. So anyway, we might as well rip into it, some of the EPL results over the weekend. And, of course, um, Leeds 3, Wolverhampton wondrous, wondrous 2, and that's a good win for Leeds as they slowly claw out of that relegation fight. And Arsenal 1,
4: Aston Villa nil. Some of your thoughts on those games? Oh, two, two very surprising away wins. Um, I mean, the Wolves the Wolves Leeds game was just comical. I mean, it was unbelievable some of the goals that Leeds scored. Um, they've had a bit, been very unlucky with some of the games the last few weeks. So, doing a lot of woodwork, uh, and then it yeah, came from behind two 0 down and went three two. So, sort of get them sort of back in that safety zone. And again, Arsenal just uh, we talked about it last week ultra consistent. Um, beating Villa at Villa was a real surprise for me. I thought Villa would just get too many too many guns for them, and was um, a consistent. So yeah, I mean, bit of a surprise. I would have picked. I, I didn't pick those away wins. That's for sure.
0: Yeah, well, uh, well, more points for Arsenal that as as they try and cement that uh, full position for the full position for the Champions League. spot. Leicester had a two one win over Brent, and this game was a. And Tottenham Hotspur, they're pushing Arsenal for that fourth place. Had a good three-one win over West Ham, a bit of disappointment for for the Hammers fans, but you know Spurs were very, very good this morning.
4: Yeah, Spurs were really good, and it would be fair to say that the Hammers looked a bit short of a gallop. I mean, they had a big game, in 120 minutes during the week against Sevilla. Um, and um, yeah, they, they they just I mean they got smashed really. Um, Kane and Son um, together just they, they dismantled the the back four, and um, the very good Conte's going to push Arteta all the way—that's uh, for sure. Um, but yeah, very 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 tidy result from them, and I think they're going to be very very strong. And of course, we'll talk quickly on the FA
0: Cup. These were some of the results in the quarter finals quarterfinals. Um, Chelsea 2, Middlesbrough 0, no surprise there. Manchester City 4, Southampton 1, Crystal Palace 4, Everton and a 0. And it's not looking good for poor old Everton at the moment. And, of course, Liverpool had a 1-0 win over Notts, Boris. So, you know, no surprise on, on some of the teams coming through in the FA FA Cup
4: quarterfinals, now. Yeah, no, no, no real surprises, but um, first could have won that game. I know they got um, well outplayed by Liverpool, but they had a really good chance, around about 70 minutes, uh, absolute sitter, for about six yards out. And then Liverpool went down the other end and, and uh, Jota scored a goal, which, no matter what VAR said, looked offside to me all day long. Um, but of course, they play Man City now in, the, in that semi-final, so at least one of those teams can't win the treble. Um, so that. <laughs> It's good from where we're coming from. Um, yeah, Chelsea look good, and um, I'm sure that uh, they'll uh, they'll get past Palace, Everton. But I'm sorry, sack they are at the minute. Um, that was an opportunity for them to sort of have a bit of glory, and um, they didn't do too well this morning.
0: Yeah, I think I think with Everton, I think there's some real issues there, and possibly more that could come on towards the end of the season. Anyway, while well, the Phoenix were very very disappointing, they, uh, even though they were short of numbers. Uh, 4-0 loss to the Newcastle Jets. And, of course, then we had the the All-Whites opening match against Papua New Guinea, 1-0 victory to the All-Whites, a Ben Wayne goal. Had a look at this game, and at times I felt, you know, Nico Boxall had a very good game, and I was very impressed with Matt Gar, but it didn't look like a tidy game at all. And at times I felt Papua New Guinea created a lot of chances for themselves. But I have to say, no, the the
4: referee was appalling. Yeah, man. I guess the, the, the two biggest things for me um, I haven't played against most of those island nations many, many years ago. Um, they've improved unbelievably, so like incredibly so. Their technical abilities are are, are miles before. I mean, they were always big, fit, and, and fast and strong, um, but they, technically, they didn't really have um, many skills. And, and I mean, again, the Fiji, Papua uh, New Caledonia game, Caledonia in particular, were very good. And, um, yeah, and it's not going to be... It's certainly not going to be an easy road to hold um, to get through there. And, I mean, you can imagine what would happen if if they had a COVID outbreak in the New Zealand camp. You know, Obviously, some of the teams have now gone home. that It would be an absolute disaster for Oceania if that happened. And they must be a bit scared about how that affects the tournament. But um, New Zealand, you know, all the big guns are there. Fiji tomorrow. Uh, Roy Krishner or not, I think they'll, they'll run them over and... Um, and um, you know, I that convincing when
0: probably two, three nil. Yeah, I'd have to agree for that. And of course, the big thing is is that we'll have Chris Wood probably starting. We'll probably have on the bench the likes of Callan Callum Macaulay. Um We'll probably see Matt Garbutt start again. Now that guy has got the potential to be one of the, to be a fantastic player. And possibility of um, Nando Pineker, who's playing some fantastic football in the league of Ireland.
4: Like Logo Ro- Rovers coming off the bench. Yeah, and no, I think they... Um, the drawback I like. Um, and um, I, I would have played Wayne from the start. I mean, I think playing De Jong up front as a front player, he, 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 he just lacked that bit of pace. And um, when Ben Wayne came on, he absolutely changed the game completely. He was, he was a bit of a live wire. But, uh, yeah, I, I'm sort of thinking that they might rest a few people tomorrow. They only really need... To To um, get two wins, and uh, they might just try to save legs. Um, Kachi was on the bench for uh, a poly over the weekend, and um, you know, travel time and all that. So they might just rest a few and keep them for that last game and make sure that um, they they really don't get too many many games in the heat. It's all about qualifying.
0: Yeah, it absolutely is, and of course, the, of course, the big thing is is that obviously um, this week we get that New Caledonia game, we get the potential of Joe Bell and uh, Libby Kadachi, and as well too along with Alex reed from St Mirren. So, you know, the the all white, I think, are possibly um, building quite well, <coughs> heading towards that. But you know, <laughs> you're right, um, the, the 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 Pacific Island nations
4: have definitely improved. No one. I think it. Yeah, it's really, 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 really good. It's, it's really disappointing that they're not going to get games. I mean, I don't quite know what's going on there with the protocols with, with covert. Um, in theory, they should have all got there covert free. And when you get twenty three out of twenty five with COVID, something's clearly going wrong. I, I know with our experience working with the Women's Cricket World Cup, you know, we've, we haven't had outbreaks like that. Uh, and our protocols are really, really strict. So I, I don't, you know, it, it does beg the question what's happened there when you've got two teams that can't play. What a disaster for those nations, all the travel time and, and playing in World Cups, and, and all of a sudden it doesn't happen. That's very sad. Yep, ab- absolutely right, Noel. Well,
0: anyway, we'd better let you get back to uh, another week's of hard work and I know you've got another busy week ahead of you with um with the Women's World Cup which is coming up to some of the last games in the semifinals. So I hope you enjoy the rest of the week. A bit of disappointment for for, for the White yesterday at
4: Eden Park, but it was not it was actually good to see the crowds back at Eden Park. Well, it's it's a funny thing, you know. Who would have thought that women's cricket could be so exciting? Uh, I certainly didn't think that. And um, we've had a number of games like that. Yesterday was just an absolute nail biter, and he um, you know, was a little bit more luck. We we could have made it, but um, the product's good. Everybody's watching, and um, there's lots of good games to come. Mm, it's been
0: it been a brilliant tournament. I can't see any, any anyone beating Australia or South Africa. Okay. I I'd be very, very surprised, but whether England still have a, a realistic chance of making it, who knows? Well, we'll uh, we'll leave you leave you till till now. No one will catch up, and we'll be in, I'll be in touch during the week because we probably will be doing a different way of doing things for next week, which I'll be announcing um, at the end of the show. So we'll uh, put you back to Michelle. We'll play a bit of music, and next up we have Mark Watson on some sport and opinion.
5: You might as well resign yourself to what you're going through. If you're a hard man or if you're a child, it still might get to you. Don't kid yourself, you've seen it all before.
0: the Westfront Sports Review here on Planet FM and um, I have to say it's it's always great to have a chat to my next guest just before we get to our next guest um, just about what's going to be happening over the next three weeks. Well, at the moment our station is in the middle of relocating. We're we're leaving Carrington Road which has been our home for many years and we're looking at our new premises in Mount Alba which is going to be fantastic. So at this stage we're possibly looking at some way of... um, Getting the show out, whether it's uh, me having to finally use a bit of technology and and do <laughs> and try and do it via Zoom and post, post it on to the people in the station, but I will be keep keep people in in touch, the listeners in touch on this, and we'll just and we'll see what we can do for the next uh, two to three weeks. Anyway, please welcome to the show the great man, one of the best broadcasters in New Zealand. He calls it the way he sees it. Mark Watson, how are you? You're very good, thank you, Eamon. That's good. It's good, and it's always great. Thank you. Mr. Summerfield is not feeling the best, so he um, he is unavailable for today. But, you know, once, fortunately, with this uh, new technology, we may have to get all three of us together, and then we may, both of us will have to check on Mr. Summerfield. So, anyway, we might as well rip into it. A bit of motorsports over the weekend, and I really enjoyed watching the um, Indies and Scott McLaughlin second. And in the second race of the season, Scott Dixon, you know, Scott McLaughlin, he's making every post the winner at the moment, Mark.
6: In fact, not any um, class act arguably could just end up being one of the best drivers on the planet. And you always sort of sense that. Um, and that's the shame, I guess, of Formula One that, you know, getting a drive in Formula One is not always based on merit, That it's sort of probably based a little bit more on what you can bring to the table financially. And so we'll never really get an indication, I guess, of how good, a lot of our New Zealand drivers are, um, if we use Formula One as the benchmark, but it's lovely in the Indy cars to see him today dominating much of that race in Texas, uh, really only losing it to his fellow team- uh, teammate, Newgarden, um, on, on that last corner or bend, I should call it, so it's not really sort of a corner, is it? It's got so many little curves and bends in those particular oval tracks. Um, yeah, and look, I was really, really hoping that he could make it two from two, but, you know, his comfortable lead in the Indy cars. Um, Scotty Dixon finishing fifth and missed the consistency, and you know he'll have his time again. But, yeah, I, I think off the back of last season, we might have had a few little question marks at times wondering whether this guy is the real deal or not, um, but then we underestimate the major shift going from a single-seat open-world car to, you know, from a from a... Um, a supercar in Australia. And, but you talk to people and he says, yep, no, this guy is X-factor. It doesn't matter what he does. Um, you know, give him some time and he will discontinue what he's done his entire career and that is when he races. I'd have to agree with you there, And The thing about it is, is that
0: maybe, you know, last season, possibly his, his debut, his rookie season, I think he was probably getting used to a few things. And, you know, as we just said, it wasn't a matter of... Um, of, when, of if it was when he was going to get used to these new vehicles, And you know what he's taken it like a duck to water at the moment. He's he's actually looking like a form driver. And it's great to see, and I have to say that two New Zealanders up and up in the top five within indie cars. It's great to have that, and, you know, it, and it gives good um, attention to the indie car season.
6: Yeah, and I also think, you know, when you look at the Indianapolis 500, which will be coming up over the next couple of months, you know, arguably the biggest single-day um, motor race in the world to try and win. Uh, and, and, you know, suddenly you have two New Zealanders um, having a shot of it. You know, Scotty Dixon's won it just the once, I think, like back in 2008. And so to have two drivers in the mix there, it's just great. But it's, um, yeah, look, it, it's... it's it's an indication, I just think, of where motorsport is in this country, we've said it previously, haven't we? Take Formula One right out of the equation, and I think, you know, New Zealand motorsport's probably in the best place it's been in since the Halcyon days of the 60s and the 70s, and it's great, and it? it just shows that a small country, um, we're still a country of innovators, um, those that get to the top here are the real deal, they're not just drivers, but, you know, they've got engineer they've got engineering minds, they understand their cars, and, I think just good people. And I think teams are looking more and more for that complete package. That's always going to favour New Zealanders. I think so too. And of course,
0: um, uh, speaking about some other New Zealanders, a great result for uh, Liam Lawson in Formula 2. He had a third in the the sprint race and in the feature races, finished second. You know, there's promising signs. He's gone to Carlin. And, you know, like, this is promising signs. He is our next. Formula One driver,
6: mark my words, Mark, this guy is a freak. Yeah, but this is what you're hoping for, isn't it? You hope that Liam Lawson, based on his results alone, can naturally take the step up, that it's a promotion to Formula One and that he doesn't get overlooked because, you know, there's a driver that comes from a very wealthy family out of India or there's a driver that comes from a very wealthy family out of Canada and that's often been the case, hasn't it? Um Yeah, and I think there just needs to be more done. I think Formula One, for its own credibility, you want the best drivers um, in the best cars. And I think sometimes you've had good drivers and great cars, um, but given other drivers from around the world the same opportunity, you wonder how far they could take that opportunity and probably exceed some of those um, drivers that have been given a chance. So, yeah, as I said, We're in a great, great place, aren't we, in terms of what we're doing in motorsport at the moment right around the world. Shane Van Gisbergen um, clearly still giving us a really strong point of view on the supercars. Um, Scotty McLaughlin, Dixon, uh, the names you've just mentioned, and you've got the likes of Earl Bamber. It's, um, yeah, it's very, very cool. And, of course, with the Formula 1, um,
0: the rumour was that Ferrari were looking fast. Well, it was a one 2 poor Ferrari. Charles uh, Leclerc, uh, Carlos Sainz Jr. 1-2-3 uh, to Lewis Hamilton. So Ferrari looked like they're going to be very, very dangerous this year in um, Formula
6: 1. Yeah, again, credibility for F1. you Everyone likes to see Ferrari do well. You know, you think of fast cars, you think of Ferrari, don't you? Uh, you go back, you think of Schumacher. Yes, we've seen Mercedes, um, interesting that, you know, we really want to see this rivalry, don't we, this year between Verstappen and the Red Bull and Lewis Hamilton and the Mercedes, but already it sounds to me like Mercedes are a little bit off the pace, and I guess that's one of the great frustrations, um, you know, that sometimes uh, you've still got, to, still got to have a good car, don't you? You want to be a great driver with a great car, but if you're a great driver and not such a good car, um, you might not get an opportunity, and only dealing with really, really small percentages. But things can change. It would be nice if Mercedes can find just that little bit more speed. We can see the consistency for Red Bull. You throw Ferrari in the mix. And, you know, arguably you could have the best F1 season in a long time.
0: Yep, absolutely agree with Well, we move on from motorsport to athletics. And what a great result this was over the weekend. Hamish Kerr, who we spoke about um, previously on our show, and he had a fantastic Olympics in the high jump. Bronze at the World Indoor Championship. Now, you know, I'm having a look around. I really, I'm surprised why our media hasn't take, given this more attention because this is a fantastic result. He is our first high jumper jumper ever to win a medal, and whether it be at an Olympics, World Championship, whether it be the World Indoor Championship, he's in, he was that was a bloody good field, mark. Just your thoughts on that? Yeah, well, he
6: shared the bronze medal with. Um, Marco Tamburi, the gold medalist from Tokyo, who was part of that magnificent jump-off with um, Barsham of Bahrain, and to jump two meters thirty-one indoors. Um, remembering that the previous New Zealand Oceania record was held by I think James Tapuni at two meters fourteen. It just shows you just how how good this performance was from um, Kerr. And you've also got to understand too that he's done a lot of he's doing a lot to try and better his jumping. He's working a lot more on his takeoff and his speed across the runway. Now to do that sometimes you've got to go backwards before you go forwards. Because you adjust one part of your high jump technique or the mechanics of it and then you have to make adjustments elsewhere as well. So to be able to make the changes and then find himself back to his best after you know, not that long, I reckon's really, really pleasing. You know, come off games later in the year, probably to win that um, to put himself in genuine middle mix at the Olympic Games. He's probably going to need to be jumping consistently 235, 236. Whether he can do that later in the year in mean, I'm not sure. But certainly, you know, he's got, what, just over two, about two and a half years to the Paris Olympics. We should be really excited by him. And we should be giving the world indoors a lot more coverage and a lot more um, credibility than we do it. But I, I, I just think this is the thing. I think our sports media are fairly lazy. I think a lot of um, big media organisations make so many redundancies now in terms of cutting costs that there are just not the journalists on deck now to be across everything. And they therefore tend to play the percentages. And so we still tend to get the cricket and the rugby and the league sort of shoved down our throat because they know that if they're going to play percentages, that's still where the reach is going to be in regards to. You know, interest, but yeah, Hamish Kerr very quickly establishing himself as as one of New Zealand's great underrated athletes.
0: I'd have to agree with you then. Of course, Tom Walsh he got a bronze medal as well in the shot put, and you know, you have a look at you look at the field. Tom Walsh it's more or less the same field, which was that um, which was at Tokyo last year. So you know, like as Tom Walsh just said, I'm still in there. I'm still competing with these with these great American shot putters. And, you know, Tom Walsh is another one I feel is very, very underrated in
6: this country. Yeah, it's just not a very sexy sport, is it? I mean, shot put throwing. You just don't see a lot of people on a Sunday morning doing it. It's not that accessible. You've got to be a certain body type. Let's be perfectly honest. If we didn't have a point of view in shot put and they told us that it was going to be taken off the Olympic program, I don't think we would have, you know, really cared too much if it was 20 years ago. Um, Look, it is one of the traditional sports. It goes right back to those sort of Greek days, doesn't it? It goes right back to the original origins. Um, You know, man jumping, running, throwing. Um, So, you know, for for a boy out of Timaru to have a point of view globally, uh, again, it's just another testament to this country and a a message to young kids around the country that, look, it doesn't matter where you come from, Um, what the sport is, if you apply yourself you are prepared to be patient, then you, you can make it. And, um, you know, would I say you can make it in every sport? No, because I think there is too much of a, a, a dirty and cynical side to some sports or some events within certain sports. Um, there is still opportunity to be a statistical outlier. and uh, Tom Walsh is um, testament to that. It
0: certainly is, Mark. Well, we've moved on to some disappointment now. Um, of course, on the anniversary of the 30th anniversary of uh, of what which was known New Zealand's loss to Pakistan in that 1992 World Cup semi-finals, our uh, white fans, about, basically, they're out of the Cricket World Cup. They were beaten so comprehensively by England. Now, I'm of the opinion now that we've heard we heard before this World Cup, and, you know, there's with, with so many promising signs. I really feel that it's time for a clean-out in women's cricket in, in New Zealand, and I think whether they have bring in new coaches, whether whether the coach is from New Zealand or whether the coach is from overseas, they have to start seriously looking at it because they have been
6: very, very disappointing. Hmm. Oh, I, look, I, people might not want to hear this and someone needs to go and do some research on it. Um, I haven't done it, but I'm aware of it. Look at their results since they started getting paid. haven't been great. In fact, I'll argue they were a better side than they weren't getting paid. I think this environment where we just suddenly, you know, we, we and you've got to be careful on how you say this, I guess, but yeah. we've got to be. We want women's sport to progress. We want more and more women taking part. We want equality, but I think that we we're just trying to do it too quickly, and we give this women's cricket team the same billing as the men, and if there's not the same publicity and there's not the same coverage, there's a great, you know. There's a big outcry. But the reality is, our women's cricket team is not our men's cricket team. There is just simply not the depth. There is just not the numbers in the game. There are three or four players who I think you can probably say are genuinely world-class, and then I honestly believe the rest of them are probably club athletes at best. And we've got to be prepared to... And it's been nice, actually, that the media have gone out and hit them hard and criticised and critique them, because you know, if you do want a quality and you do want to be taken seriously, then you have to also handle the scrutiny that goes with that. Um, I just think there needs to be a greater work ethic, um, less publicity, less media. I don't think a lot of these players probably know how to deal with maybe the coverage they've been given. And I think in their own heads, they probably sort of take a bit of a chuckle and a bit of a smile and go, oh, really? Do I really deserve this sort of billing? I oh, sort of yeah you know, don't really consider myself to necessarily be an elite athlete, but again it's uh, um it's it's an environment right around the world at the moment where, uh, um you know we've got to have equal outcome um no matter what and i think it's detrimental in some situations
0: you know well, we, we we're probably we're probably going to areas and we probably won't be popular but you know r- regardless if it's men or women when they when they don't perform at a world Cup. You know, at the end of the day, uh, if that was the news, then the New Zealand media would be right on their case. And people like me and oh, you oh. would be right on their case too, Mark. So to oh, me... Oh, the, if, you've the
6: spl- talent and, if you've got talent and you're not performing, name I mean, you're just simply not working hard enough. That's the harsh reality of it. You know, uh, 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 they're just they're just not working hard enough at it.
0: No, I, I totally agree. Anyway, we'll scan talk, I and talk. I, I watched the Six Nations yesterday and France have proven what they are. They are the best team in the world. I, I, as far as I am concerned, Ireland are right up there. I'm going to be straight to the point. I, leading into this Rugby World Cup, and I know it's a year away, I think France and Ireland may have the jump on New Zealand and South Africa at this stage.
6: Oh, definitely. And I think um, South Africa, I'd probably put third. I think I'd probably put New Zealand fourth or fifth somewhere at the moment. But, you know, as Steve Hansen said previously with Ireland, France and Ireland, they'll go to the World Cup with the favourites tag. How do they handle that? You know, New Zealand's always had it, and some days we've handled it quite well and other times we haven't. But every time the All Blacks do play, they have that expectation on them. So how will France go in a tournament where if you lose at a key time, you're gone, there's no second chance? Um, the nice thing is New Zealand, know they're behind the eight ball for the first time and they're going to have to do something about it. However, I just don't think still with Ian Foster that we actually have the ability to do something about it. Unfortunately, I think we're going to have to wait another four years before we see us possibly um, lifting the World Cup. But look, if it's going to be anybody, I'd love to see the French or the Irish, anybody but the English.
0: Well, I think you, you, you may have upset the, our, our English fan base, but I, I think I think, I think even, even most Irish people that listen to the show would be definitely on your side. But just getting back to the All Blacks, well, I know you said him, and I've been critical of Ian Foster. I know they've brought in Joe Smith as a selector, but you tend to you tend to wonder, is Ian Foster just the coach in name and who's going to be pulling all the strings? Is Joe Smith going to be pulling all the strings, bringing him burn off?
6: We just don't know that. Oh look, Joe Schmidt. He's um, he, he's the. It's a PR move, isn't it? I mean, Foster knows he's under pressure. He knows he's not popular with the public, um, and that's why Schmidt's come in. And I, it also, it's a sign to me that I think Ian Foster's even second guessing himself. Um, but this goes back to those bullying tactics under Chew and Hanson in terms of how Foster ended up getting appointed, and it's going to end up backfiring on us. And you know, you can argue that the board of New Zealand rugby recently did a pretty tough um, internal review of the coaches in the all black year and somehow still come out in favour of Ian Foster um, I just don't know how you can do that you can't drop to a test to Ireland, you can't drop a test to the French, um, drop a test to South Africa looked um, pretty average against okay, a really awful Fiji team here in July last year and somehow say things are okay, they're not okay
0: you did right there, Mark. Well, we'll wrap it up, Mark. I have to say thanks for coming off the bench for Mr. Summerfield, and uh, we'll be in touch during the week on how, on what we're going to do in the next few weeks, so we'll definitely be in touch. It's always great to have you. You have a great rest of the week, and hopefully we catch catch up soon. I'll put you back to Michelle, and I'll just sign off for us right now. Well, everyone, thanks a lot. It's been a good show again. Thanks, Grant and Lisbon. Thanks to Frank Endicott, thanks to Noel Barkley, and thanks to my good buddy Mark Watson. Have a great day, and we'll see you. And we'll tell, and we'll keep keep update. We'll keep you updated on what's happening.